0: Thanks, guys. And uh, and thank you very much, John, for that word. I think there is nothing more beautiful than being reminded of the foundation that we have in Jesus. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm going to be touching on it this morning as well. So um, I'm going to take you back for a moment. So imagine, movie wiggles. Right? So we're going back to the end of 2008, and uh, at the end of 2008, things for me were absolutely fantastic. No, seriously, they were great. I mean, um, I was still in my 20s, so that was good. <laughs> I was about to turn 30. Um, I was married to my beautiful wife that you just saw next to me. Uh, James, our eldest son, was two years old, and he was gorgeous. And when I say he was gorgeous, the local radio station had a bonniest baby competition. We entered him, and he won a 250-pound voucher for us. So so he started off paying his own way in life. It didn't last, but... We were living just outside Oxford, in the UK, on the edge of what's called the Cotswold Hills. It's an area of outstanding natural beauty, that's what they call it. Um, we had, uh, I was the technical director of one of the leading digital agencies in the UK. We had a nice three-bed house, um, I had an Audi in the driveway, I was a deacon in the church. In other words, we were sorted. <laughs> we were so comfortable and if you look at like you know the ladder of success in life we were climbing that ladder and we were doing so well there was just one problem just one that wasn't what god wanted us to be that wasn't where he wanted us to be spiritually emotionally in our marriage geographically that isn't to say that we didn't know god because we did And in fact, God had told us to go to the place we were living. We'd gone there out of obedience. But what we find is that when God takes us to a place, he doesn't take us there because it's the end destination. He takes us there so he can teach something, so that we can grow, so that we can go somewhere else on another journey, and he can take us to the next place. As we do so, we grow and we gather other souls to Jesus. That is our purpose. So, whenever God does move us on, and he does, he does lead the way. He goes ahead of us. But we need to pay attention to where God is going. We need to be able to hear what the next journey is going to be. Now this is what I want to talk about this morning. Um, now uh, there was a word that came through in worship which I thought was um, was very much in keeping with what God had laid on my heart which is about how sometimes when there's a shaking what happens is that we can't control what's happening and we just need to, sh- to hold on to God. We just need to grab hold of God and hold on to him. And that's true. Sometimes when things move, we need to hold on to God. But that doesn't mean that we do so blindly. I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm going to share with you five stepping stones. Five stepping stones that I think God shows you and wants you to walk on when you go on a journey from where you are now to where he wants to take you. Five stepping stones. And I'm going to do that from the book of Ezra. So, you with me so far? You good? Five stepping stones. Okay. One thing you'll learn about me, if you hear me preach often enough, is you know that I love alliteration, things that start with the same letter. So, I'm going to give you five stepping stones that start with the letter F. Okay? And the first one, the first stepping stone, is favor. I'm going to give you some background to the book of Ezra before we go into look at some Bible verses. Now, um, you'll know that the kingdom of Israel had split into two kingdoms. It was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And they'd both been unfaithful to God. um, But what had happened is that God had warned them and he'd warned them to be faithful and Judah had gone further and further away. So eventually... God said enough. And he handed them over to the Babylonians. And what the Babylonians did is they came and over the course of several forced deportations, they took the best of Judah and all the influential people and carted them off to Babylon. And the reason that they did this is because they wanted to break the culture of the Israelites, of the Judeans. They wanted to assimilate to bring in those people into Babylon, so they basically became like Babylonians. Here, though, there's something interesting. There's something you wouldn't expect. God talks to the exiles in Babylon. And this is in Jeremiah. And now you'd think that what God would say is, I'm sending you to be in Babylon... But they're a heathen nation. They're not my nation. You should stay away from them and keep yourselves to yourselves. You kind of think that because God's been talking about holiness and about being separate to them the whole time. However, he says something slightly different. This is what he says in Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, God is saying, I've got a purpose in sending you to that place. And I want you to grow there. And I want you to prosper there. I want you to get comfortable. But not forever. I want you to prosper there for a season until I move you on. Now, they'd done this for 70 years. So they went to to Babylon, and for 70 years, the Judeans did exactly that. Historical records have been found in the old lands of Babylon, written in the old cuneiform script, where they actually show records of people with Hebrew names in Babylon. And these were people who were buying land, selling land, prospering, farming. In other words you can see that these people that God had placed in that thing for a season had prospered. That was just like us in Oxford. God had taken us to this place. God had said, get comfortable. So we did. But God didn't want us to stay comfortable forever. God always uses something to tell us that it's time to get out of our comfortable rut. Generally, he uses one of two things. He uses flight or favor. So he uses flight in the New Testament. So in the book of Acts... You can read about how persecution came on the church. So until that point, the church was all in Jerusalem and and, and in Israel and all very cozy, cozy, cozy. But God's intent was to get the world out to the nations, right? So what does God do, do? He brings persecution. He scatters them everywhere. And what happens? The gospel goes to the four corners of the globe. So God sometimes uses flight. Sometimes God uses favor. And this is what we see in the book of Ezra. So what happened is the Babylonians had carted off all the Israelites. They'd uh, taken them to Babylon, tried to assimilate them. They hadn't been assimilated, but they had lived comfortably there. But then Babylon itself falls to the Persian Empire. And with the Persian Empire, an opportunity opened up with a new Persian king called Cyrus. Now, we don't know exactly what the deal is with Cyrus, It's a bit of an interesting one. But God seems to have liked Cyrus. I know that sounds counterintuitive. This is like a heathen king, right? He's like the king of the Persians, you know, rampaging through the lands. In Isaiah 45, God calls Cyrus his anointed. So God's got a plan for Cyrus, and it actually seems like Cyrus knew it as well. We really don't know too much about the background of this. We just know that God's favor is on Cyrus. And because of that, God's favor is being poured out onto his people through Cyrus. This is what it says at the very start of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1, 1 to 6. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, In order to fulfill the word of the Lord, spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, goods, livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. So for those who were willing, the favor of God moved on Cyrus to allow those who were willing to return after 70 years to their homeland. And sometimes, a move of God in our lives starts with favor, like this. For me, um, when it was in November 2008, and God started moving for us, I was at an industry event in London for one of the partner companies of my company. And the CEO knew that I was married to a South African so he came up to me, and he said, hey, Dan, you're, uh, you're married to a South African? And I said, yeah. He says, do you know the industry there? I said, I know it a little bit. I've got some contacts. He says, great. Do me a favor. We're actually starting an office in, in South Africa in Cape Town. Can you talk to the director, the local director, and can you just give him some insight? Because he doesn't know South Africa. He's a Swede. So can you give him some advice? I said, sure, no problem. So the next day, I phoned this guy up, Biria. And I said, uh, hi, I'm Dan. Um, I work in the UK, but I know South Africa. Can I chat to you about the local industry, give you some, some leads, some contacts? And we chatted for about two hours. And I said, That's great conversation, Biria. Is there anything else that you need? He says, yes, there is one thing. I said, what's that? He said, you. <laughs> so he made me a job offer. He said, would you be willing to quit your job in the UK as a technical director of a top agency, would you be able to quit it, leave everything, pack up your wife, two suitcases, and two-year-old son, and come start a company with me in Cape Town for absolute peanuts? (laughs) And there wasn't much reason for me to say yes. I'd never lived in South Africa. I didn't know how awesome it was at that point. That was 15 years ago, I know now, but I didn't know then, and I didn't, honestly, there was no reason to go, but I went home that day, and I said to Renee, I don't know why, but I've just been asked if we'll move to Cape Town, and I kind of think we're supposed to, and Renee said, we should pray about this, and we did. And it became clear to us, God put it in our hearts, out the blue, that his favor had been on a situation and that we were supposed to move. So the first stepping stone is favor. But that doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. Because now you come to the second stepping stone. And the second stepping stone is faith. Now, in all the excitement of the first chapter of Ezra, these exiles are going, yes, 70 years later, we're going to get to go home, it's great, it's awesome, one problem, it's a very long way away. And there are lots of bandits on the route. This particular journey was very, very treacherous. This wasn't going to be an easy journey. We don't actually know in the first couple of chapters of Ezra exactly what that journey looked like, but... Just a couple of chapters later, there were another group that made that journey, and we can read their um, faith journey on it. It's Ezra 9, 21 to 23. It says this. It says, Ezra 9, 21, 23. I can read it if you need to. No hurry. I'll just read it out. It's fine. It's not long. So, this is Ezra speaking to the people. He says, There, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast. So, they're still in Babylon. They're about to make this journey. I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road, because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. It was a hectic journey they were about to go on. And remember, they were all loaded with gold and silver from all their neighbors. So it would be a bit like, I don't know, uh, let's say, cash in transit guys loaded with all the Gupta's riches walking through Hillbrow at 2 in the morning. I mean, it's like, come get me. You know, it's, it's not clever. So they knew this. So they said, well, I've got a choice. I can either ask for an army or I can trust in God. This is faith. Because when you're at that point where God has stirred you and said, I need something of you, are you now going to go to systems of the world, things that have worked before, things that you know are your own strength, or are you going to say, I know that the only safe way for me to get from here to where God takes me is faith in him, because he is only strongest. Back in 2008 for us, we had one Particularly big thing we had to um, we had to overcome in faith. There were many, and that's the many stories I could tell you. But there was one particular one I want to tell you. We needed to rent out our house, and our house we, wouldn't, we knew the rent we get wouldn't cover the mortgage, the bond, if we had to pay management fees. And I wasn't earning much in South Africa. So basically, we couldn't afford to do this. And there was no solution. You know, it wasn't like we could put our house on for way more money and someone would rent it. In the flesh, there was no possibility. So my wife, she said, I am going to fast. Because I have a godly wife. And she did. And as she fasted, she got a Facebook message out the blue from a friend from university she'd not seen in years. And I'm going to paraphrase the conversation. She can tell you the exact conversation, but it went a little bit like this. Hi, Renee, are you in South Africa? Sorry. Uh, uh. Okay, I won't do the voices, okay. So the, the conversation went something like this. Hi, Renee, are you in South Africa still? Renee goes, no, I'm actually living in the UK, have been for 10 years. Um, Although maybe we're going to move back to South Africa. Laurel goes, oh, that's cool. We're thinking about moving to the UK ourselves. In fact, my husband is right now in the UK having a job interview. But we've just got a problem. We've no idea how we're going to afford to live there because it's so expensive to rent a house. So Renee goes, yeah, rental can be expensive. Where's the job interview? And uh, this girl goes, well... You'll never have heard of it. It's a little town called Ainsham, just outside of Oxford, which happens to be about three kilometers from the house we had in the UK. So Renee goes, well, well, maybe God's trying to do something here. If we can save the management fees, would you like to rent our house from us directly? Laurel called back later that day. They gave my, my husband the job on the spot. We're coming to the UK We'll rent your house. And they lived in our house for five years, and that enabled us to come to South Africa. And I could tell you many of these testimonies, but the point is there was nothing we could have done. We had faith. Renee fasted. I didn't. I'll learn. But Renee fasted, and God answered. So now you've had favor. You've had faith. You've now started the journey. You've gotten your destination. So now you've reached the destination. Everything's fine and there's no more challenges, right? No? Oh, okay. So you've got new challenges. Uh, To overcome the challenges in the place you go, you're going to need another stepping stone. Fire. So the Judeans returned to Jerusalem. Uh, The guys around didn't like that very much. Kind of, Israel had kind of been fighting a lot of the local folks for quite a long time, if you read the Old Testament. So they'd actually celebrated when when the Babylonians had come. Fire. 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 So. Thank you, fire. Thank you, Chad. The reference to Finding Nemo there. So, the guys around didn't like it. 70 years ago, when the Judeans had been carted off, literally, these guys had whooped and hollered and celebrated them going, right? Now they're back. And they are looking for any excuse to snitch on these guys back to Cyrus. They just want to make trouble. They want to make trouble. At this kind of point, you're in the place where you're going, everything inside you should say, get your head down. Don't cause waves. Just... Just go quiet. Let's not cause trouble. Let's see how the Judeans reacted to this dilemma of everyone looking at them. Ezra chapter 3, verses 2 to 3 says this. I hope. It's a new system we're trying today, apparently. I can read it if it's a struggle. It's not a problem. I'll read it, and then maybe we can catch up. So it says this. Then Joshua... "...son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and all of his associates, "...began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord... Both the morning and evening sacrifices. Now, understand what's happening. Everyone is looking at Jerusalem. All the peoples around. They're staring the the Judeans down. Now, Jerusalem, if you didn't know this, is on a hill. It's quite a big hill. I've walked up it. I was quite breathless by the top. So, you're on the top of a hill. You build an altar on top of that. And then you put burnt offering on top of that and you burn it so that the smoke and the smell go high, in the ground, high into the air. You're basically saying to everyone around, we're here, we're worshipping God. That is such a ridiculous thing for them to do. But they do it because they know that they have to obey God and they have to keep the fire burning. In Ezra 3, verses 4 to 5, it says this. So, I mean, they've already got people's attention. They're burning this stuff. And then it says, Then in accordance with what is written... They celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. There were loads. After that, they then presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as a free will offering to the Lord. In other words, they knew it was uncomfortable. They were scared of the people around them but they burnt those fires anyway. And they kept burning them, and they kept burning them, and they kept burning them. In February 2009, we'd arrived. So it was almost exactly 14 years ago. We arrived in, in Cape Town. And one week after we arrived, we walked into Josh Jen for the first time. This was in Sunningdale. I looked at the, uh, I looked at the congregation, and I thought, what a bunch of nutters. And and I said to Renee, I said, yo, these are a nice bunch, but hey, I've got so much to teach them. Um, yeah, then I realized that in actual fact, it was so much the other way around. Um, it took me 14 years to realize that. But here's the thing. The one thing I knew, and the one thing that attracted me is that I saw a fire burning in those people. I saw a fire burning, and I realized that fire was not burning like that in me. And I thought, I need to be where the fire is burning. And I need to burn like that. I knew that if I was on fire, there would be the fourth stepping stone. And the fourth stepping stone is the filling. So the exiles have returned. They've built an altar. They've burnt their offerings. They turn to the next task, which is laying the foundations of the temple. They do this, and it says in the Bible, they did it with praise and thanksgiving. And when they did this, there was a huge outpouring of emotion. Listen to these words. This is Ezra 3, verses 10 to 13. So this is Ezra chapter 3. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, sons of Asaph with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple 70 years before wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the shouts, of the shouts of joy from the shouts of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. When God moves, when he takes you to a place, when you offer your sacrifices to him, when you lay the foundations and when you sing and you praise And you give God the glory. There is going to be an outpouring. There is going to be a filling that you cannot contain. It says here that the sound was heard far away. They couldn't even figure out what the sound was. It gets messy. But it's good messy. God brought Renee and I here to South Africa to do a deep work in us. And our journey's been messy for 14 years. As you get to know us, and I'm hoping all of you will, we'll tell you some of our story. Conviction, repentance, restoration. 12 years ago, there was a second son born, Michael. And there's an incredible testimony in that which we'll share sometime. God's love is good. It does endure. And we want to take every opportunity to make our thanksgiving heard for what God's done in our lives. But why? Why do we want to tell people what God has done in our lives? We've had favor. We've had faith. We've had fire. We've had filling. But there's one more stepping stone. One more F. And that is because we are fuertrekkers. what? That's a V. No? (laughs) Vortrekkers. It's not Vortrekkers. Vortrekkers. No? Okay. Okay. Dirty little secret. I did know that was a V really. But we were fortrekkers. In other words, we want to tell people about what God has done. Because we know that God sent us somewhere with a reason so that others can follow that journey. In Ezra, we read about that first group of people that went. Anyone who God laid on their heart to go. That was the first of at least three big groups of people that went. Tens of thousands of others followed those first people. Ezra who the book of Ezra is obviously the subject matter, Ezra didn't go in that first group. He actually went later. But others went before and showed the trail they should follow. People were gathered from the nations. Even people that couldn't even prove they were an Israelite were welcomed into the nation until such time as God could speak and they could come part of the nation. They gathered people. They were footrekkers. They gathered people in and they took them on a journey. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I've talked a little bit about Ezra and I've spoken a bit about our personal journey. Every single one of you sitting here this morning is a footrekkah. Because you are going to have a chance to go ahead. Now, in a couple of weeks' time, this congregation is going to multiply into two. It's going to multiply into two because seven years ago, there were some Fortereckers that came from Mossel Bay and planted a church here. <laughs> In the Forterecker Hall, no less. <laughs> and you're going to get to be the same. You're going to get to go on a journey as well. Maybe not geographically, but in what God is doing, you are. These five stepping stones that I've spoken about this morning are our stepping stones. Who knows that God's favor has been on this congregation? God has moved. We've outgrown this venue because God has moved. God has poured out his love and his favor. But when God's favor moves, that says it's time for us to move. Secondly, through this multiplication, you are going to need faith. This is not something happening in the flesh. This is something happening in God. You're going to need faith to go where God is going to take you. Whether that's AM or PM, it's both. AM and PM are a new thing that God is doing. This is not a time to be complacent because there will be bandits on the road. The enemy is going to come and lie to you. I guarantee He's going to say, are you sure you are where God wants you to be? Are you sure Josh Jen is going the direction that it's supposed to be? Have faith that God's favor is on us and that he's called us to go somewhere and we are following in the footsteps of the Holy Spirit that's gone before. Thirdly, once you multiply, once we're in our new congregations in two weeks' time, you need to keep that fire burning red hot. We may be a smaller group of people. Hopefully not for long. Because when we burn, when we burn brightly, people around will see a fire burning. And it will attract people to Jesus. Fourthly, be ready to be filled. Be ready to be filled afresh. Because when you go out in obedience and you follow what God is doing in you, God's spirit will come. Be ready for it. We don't know what it's going to look like. And right now, it doesn't matter what it's going to look like. It just matters that you're ready. Be ready for what the Holy Spirit is going to do in you and in us. This journey is not one to be made alone. And it's not a journey to be made only once. You're called to something by God. You're called to go on a journey. AM and PM, we're starting two new things. But as Bob said right at the start this is not the end destination you're going to God is going to call you to more in the future but be faithful with what has God's called you to now find God in this place and be ready for the next plant wherever it happens and you'll have done it at least once so you'll know what it feels like to move in God and you'll be ready to do it again. After the, the people had been in the, uh, back in Judah for a, for a while, it says that they had seven days of celebration. This is in Ezra chapter 6, verse 22. You got that one? Ezra 6, verse 22. It says this. For seven days, they celebrated with joy the festival of unleavened bread, because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria, so that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. In other words, they spent time to celebrate how God had built his house. Seven years ago, George was planted. In seven days, we're going to have a celebration. Let's celebrate everything that God has done in building his house on Jesus, the foundation. And then let's get ready for what God has called us to as we build his house in the next season to where God's called us. Amen.